the Thoughts from a Page podcast, where I interview authors about their latest works. Listen to what inspired the storyline, how their covers and titles were chosen, their personal connection to the story, and other fascinating tidbits about the authors themselves. My name is Cindy Burnett, and I love to talk about books. I can be found on Instagram and Pinterest at Thoughts from a Page. And if you have any comments about the podcast or feedback for me, I can be reached at Cindy H. Burnett at att.net. Jane Iyaro was born in Nigeria and immigrated to Canada at the age of 12. She has a journalism degree from the University of Toronto and works as a communications specialist in Ontario, Canada. She writes about strong, audacious, beautifully flawed Nigerian women, much like the ones in her own life. When she isn't writing, she's watching Homecoming for the hundredth time and trying to match Beyonce's vocals to no avail. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this show. Welcome, Jane. I'm so glad you are joining me to talk about your debut, Ties That Tether. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. I loved your book, and I'm just so excited to be here and to hear all about everything that went into it and the book itself. So why don't we start out by you telling me about Ties That Tether? Okay, so Ties That Tether is a contemporary romance about a Nigerian woman who promises her dying father that she would marry a Nigerian man even after immigrating to Canada. But then she meets and falls for a man who is Spanish And she's caught between her family's wishes and her own. And as a result, she tries to reconcile her identity as a Nigerian woman and her identity as an immigrant. So many of the things in this book resonated with me and are so relevant to everything we're going through right now in the United States and really in the world. You know, keeping your parents happy, conflicting worlds, expectations, cultural identity, maintaining it but also trying to join whichever country you've moved to. So I thought there was a lot that was relevant, and I I loved learning all about her Nigerian heritage. Just all the way around, I thought it was a fabulous read. Thank you so much. How did you come up with the subject matter for this book? It was inspired by my experiences. So I immigrated to Canada when I was 11 years old with my family, and so since then growing up in a Nigerian household and trying to blend in with my Canadian friends and caught between my, the expectations of my family and the kind of person I am pressured to be when I'm with my friends, as well as the people I date, the boys I liked that weren't Nigerian, even though I had a strict rule to only date Nigerian boys until recently when my mother, thank God, changed her mind. <laughs> so just having that, those struggles definitely inspired the story. So did you feel like a lot of that was very similar to what you grew up experiencing? Yes, it was. Not just me, but some of my friends as well. All of us, we have parents who immigrated to this country. And I myself, I'm an immigrant as well because I only came when I was 11. Azaria's experiences, the main character, is close to mine. Not 100%, but definitely close. Oh, I love that. I did not realize that as I was reading. So what kind of research did you have to do? Well, I wouldn't say I had to do like research, like tons of research, because like I said, it was inspired by things I already experienced and knew. I felt like the core of the story, which was the message I wanted to convey about immigrants and their fear of losing their culture, that came from my mother and an aunt of mine. They were having a conversation during a Christmas celebration, and I heard them saying, explaining to me how they were afraid about losing your culture. And that was the motivation behind them saying, 
I can't date outside of my ethnicity. Talking to them more, I think that was more of research for me than anything else and understanding their perspective on the subject. And you mentioned you had two friends that were sort of in a similar situation. Did you talk with them too, kind of their experiences and the pressure they felt to assimilate, but also wanting to maintain their cultural identity? Yeah, I spoke to them as well. And we had very similar experiences, parents who were strict and very stern about us not dating outside our our ethnicity, the fears they also faced. So everything was very similar. Well, what do you hope your readers take away from this book? Well, like I was saying before, a lot of immigrants don't want their kids to date outside their ethnicity. And I feel sometimes people who aren't immigrants might misunderstand that as prejudice. My goal was to show my readers that often, most often, it comes from a place of fear because Immigrating to a country can be exciting, new opportunities and stuff like that. But it can also be really terrifying because it's the unfamiliar and you're in a place where your culture, your ethnicity isn't very prominent anymore. There are so many others and it's so easy for things to get lost, the language, the food, things here and there. So it's a, lo- it's a big fear for a lot of immigrants. And I understood that once I spoke to my mother and my aunts, and I wanted my readers to understand as well that when an immigrant asks their child, it demands them not to date outside their ethnicity, comes from a place of fear and not prejudice. I do think fear is a very strong motivator. And so I always try to tell my kids that actually is when they're interacting with friends or other people and sometimes something goes awry, look at what they're going through. When people behave in a way you don't necessarily understand and to understand it does definitely provide empathy and just makes you maybe much more kind about how you're going to be interacting with people, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. What was the highlight of writing Ties That Tether? I enjoyed really learning about myself. I feel like the book was sort of like therapy for me. I got to basically take notice of things in my life and within my family that I hadn't before. And I got to learn a lot about myself and my mother and my culture a lot more by talking to people and by truly being in a position to want to understand and not just being angry because they came to a conclusion that didn't favor me. So I think learning a lot about myself and as my main character, Zere, grows and finds her voice, I think in the same way, I found mine as well. And I really got an opportunity to speak to my mother about giving me the freedom or maybe her blessing to date outside my race and not have to hide it because I hid it for a very long time. Do you think that that came about with your mother because you were writing this book, that you all were able to reach that truce and understanding because of everything you learned and engaged with her about the story? Absolutely. If I hadn't written the story, I don't think I would have been in a position or found it. It wouldn't have been a topic in my mind to explore. So writing the story definitely allowed me to talk about this topic as well when I approached my mother about it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's wonderful. So as you started out, do you think you started with the plot or the characters? It's always the plot first. My characters and your personalities happen usually by accident. So I have an idea and I just start writing and my, my characters' flaws and their personality, their likes and dislikes develops gradually 
for example, with Azere, she has an obsession with romantic movies. <laughs> and I had a little bit of mentions when I wrote the first draft, a little mentions of romantic movies. But when someone read it, they told me to make that her thing. And so it became her thing. I actually thought that was a great thing. I loved all those different references and not even just the movies like Bridget Jones or Sex and the City, the TV show, but Papa Don't Preach, the Madonna song. So (laughs) yeah, no, I thought all those references were great. That was a ton of fun. Thank you. How long did it take you to write this book? I wrote it pretty fast in like a year. I'm so bad with dates. I can never remember the precise year I started. Maybe 2016, I believe so. I wrote it really fast, but the first draft was horrible, of course. (laughs) And so I got a lot of feedback from agents who rejected the query letters I sent them, which I was so grateful for every single feedback. I got like maybe 10 and I applied every single thing every agent said because they were on point. And I worked on it some more and Pitch Wars, I ended Pitch Wars in 2018 And I got a mentor, Kristen Wright, and she really, really helped me. It happened maybe over three years. I wrote this book over the course of three years or so. Yeah. Oh, that's great that they responded to you, gave you feedback, and then you incorporated it and continued to work on it. Yeah. How did you come up with the title to this book? Well, the title of this book was originally called Preference and Prejudice, (laughs) which was a really bad title. But when I entered Pitch Wars, my mentor, Christine Wright, suggested we change the name so people don't think of Jane Austen or Pride and Prejudice. So she suggested, I suggested actually, Ties That Tether and Bind because of a theme I, I mentioned a few times throughout the book about tethers and stuff like that. And she wanted to shorten it to just ties that tether. And I thought it was perfect. Definitely. And the alliteration is great for a title. Can you tell me a little bit about Pitch Wars? Well, Pitch Wars is a mentorship program. And writers who are authors who are published decide to help unpublished authors with your manuscript to polish them up and fix any things that need fixing. And so you apply and you might just get a mentor to help you over the course of like three months. And it's really brutal, but um, it can be, (laughs) the three months can be really intense, but it's so worth it. And at the end, there's an agent showcase where agents look through parts of the manuscript and a query letter or so, or a short pitch actually. And then they might request to see the full manuscript. Oh, that's really cool. I've heard people mention it, but I was not totally certain. And I knew my listeners probably wouldn't be either exactly what it involves. So does it happen periodically, like once a year or is it constantly going? How does that work? It happens once a year. They pick the mentors and I think around the fall, people can submit to mentors and maybe beginning of winter, the mentors pick who they would like to mentor. Oh, that's a really neat program. I'm glad to know about it. amazing, yeah. Well, the next thing I want to talk about, because I am always all about covers, but your cover is gorgeous. That was actually the very first thing that caught my attention when Berkeley kind of sent me a bunch of different ones and asked what I wanted to read. And I saw that and I thought, oh my gosh, it's stunning. Thank you. Okay. I love Berkeley. They listened to me. Like I had an entire vision before when I first got a book deal of what I wanted my cover to look like. And I really, really wanted African print fabric on it. And I wanted 
just a girl on it, just a black girl on the cover by herself. And I told this to my editor, Kate, and she, I sent her some images of what I wanted. And I sent her images of African fabrics. And she and the team at Berkeley were so on board and they loved it. And they just ran with it. And I really didn't have to say much because they got the right artist and everything fell in place. I just think it turned out stunning. And when I was looking through reviews to get ready for this, everybody kept commenting on what a great cover it was. <laughs> What's the best thing about being a writer? Okay, this is going to sound a bit weird, but I love the control it gives me. I love being the puppet master, you know? Um, I like making scenarios that are uncomfortable for my characters and forcing them to grow. I like just making up a whole new world and just, I just love the control it gives me. It's so much fun and I want to do it forever. That is true. You can just create whatever you want and run with it, whichever direction you want, which is such a nice feeling, I'm sure. Do you have a standard way that you write? Do you write 2000 words a day? Do you write in the morning? How is that process for you? I wouldn't say I even have a process. I'm often sometimes a slow writer. I prefer writing at nighttime when everything is dark and quiet and peaceful. But sometimes I can't write at night, so I have to write in the daytime depending on my schedule. So it it really does depend. And I try to set goals for myself, maybe 2,000 words a day. But sometimes I don't even get 2,000 words a week. So... It it really depends on my mood and what's going on around me. And probably inspiration. You know, there are probably times, just like anything, where you feel like, oh, there's so much of it's flowing and I've got to get it all down and other times where it's just not happening. Exactly. Do you have advice for aspiring authors? I would say study the genre you want to write in and really just know what editors are looking for and what they expect. I think that was one of the mistakes I made when I just started writing I just had an idea and I just began writing and I didn't study the genre or the market. And that really set me back. Another advice I would give would be for aspiring authors to learn how to plot their stories. I also made that mistake when I was writing. I just, like I said before, just started writing and I didn't have an idea of character development and plot points I wanted to hit and the things you're expected to hit at a certain point in a book. So I just wrote, and that was a huge mistake. I recently bought Save the Cat, which is a great book about plotting um, novels and different genres. So that really helps. And a lot of authors use that as a guideline. So I would suggest that. That's one of the things that surprised me the most when I started doing more of this, being more involved in the book world, reviewing books and talking to authors, that the arc of the story I understand, but that there's really a much more defined way to do that, sort of by here, do this, by here, you know, by this point in the book, do that. And that's fascinating to me, but it sounds like it works. It does work. It's a formula, but it's not a noticeable formula if you do it well. It just flows seamlessly. It's easier though, I think, to, to read the genre than to read the market because every once in a while there'll be a big shift in the market. And so it's just a matter, I guess, of the time frame that you're working within and hoping that what, what you're working on is targeting what's happening out in the market. Yeah, it's honestly, that's why it's always a bad idea to jump on trends because you never know when things are going to shift. So sometimes it is luck and sometimes it can backfire. So... 
No, I agree completely. Well, are you working on anything at the present that you would like to share with me? I just finished my second novel, which it's completed, but not really because it needs a lot of more edits. I'm really excited about that one because it's about a biracial woman who, for the first time in her life, meets the Nigerian part of her family. And just like Ties at Tether, I will be exploring themes of culture and identity, but in a much bigger way. And majority of the book takes place in Lagos, Nigeria. So I'm very excited about the location and introducing readers to parts of Nigeria. Oh, I can't wait for that. Do you get back to Nigeria regularly? I mean, I know right now you're probably not, but I mean, in normal non-pandemic times, do you travel back and forth or how often do you visit Nigeria? I I came to Canada when I was 11 and I, I hadn't visited Nigeria in years since I came to Canada, but I went back last December for a wedding for the first time and it was so wonderful. I got to see families, most of them I've never met. And it was just great being there. I had so much fun. And I I want to go back again. I wanted to go back this year in December again, but I'm not sure about that right now. So maybe next year. That's such a bummer right now. Yeah. I mean, so many parts of it are a bummer, but the travel yeah. makes it difficult and particularly difficult for people who are relying on that for their livelihood, like, you know, wanting to research a book or incorporate some portion of a story. And thankfully with the internet, you can visit places, not exactly the same, but it gives you some knowledge, but hopefully we'll be over this soon and you can be headed to visit again. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yes, exactly. What do you like to do when you're not writing or reading? I like clothes, so I like to shop a lot. I like to visit some vintage spots in downtown Toronto, Kensington Market. Just pick up some pieces, earrings, you know. I like fashion, so yeah. (laughs) Share something your readers wouldn't know about you. Well, I can share something very random. (laughs) I'm terrified of dogs. Really? It's, uh, It's Yes, I mean, it's a very rational fear, but I just am no matter how cute they are. And the funny thing is that I actually really want a dog, but I first have to overcome this fear. We have two dogs, a big one and a small one. You can tell, you know, some people are totally comfortable, but many are not. I mean, I think that's a very common fear until either have one, like you said, or maybe it just stays that way. I don't want it to stay that way. I really want a dog. I I, I really want to get over the fear at the same time because you're so cute. No, they are. And maybe start with a small one (laughs) (laughs) because at least that's, you know, that's easier because the big ones, if you're scared, just seem so much larger. Well, I have absolutely loved talking about Ties That Tether and I'm so glad you joined me. And before we finish up, I wanted to ask you what you've been reading lately that you really liked. Oh, okay. I've been reading, well, I just finished a lovely romance called The Right Swipe by Alicia Wright. And it was so steamy, exactly what I needed during these times. I absolutely loved it, and I recommend that book. I also read Well-Behaved Indian Woman by Samaya Dave, and I really enjoyed that book too. It was about three generations of Indian women, their struggles and the expectations of their culture and their society and how they find their own voice and try to make their own way. I have been seeing that book a lot on Instagram and actually want to pick it up. It looks really good, so I'm happy to hear that you liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Good. Well, I'm so glad you joined me today, Jane, to talk about Ties That Tether. I really appreciate it, and I thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much, Cindy. I loved speaking with you today. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you like this episode, 
and I hope you did. Please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts From A Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. Jane's book can be purchased at Murder by the Book, where I work part-time, and the link is in the show notes. Thanks to KP Regan for the sound editing, and I hope to see you next time. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast.